If you have a Bible, please take it and turn to John chapter 14. John 14, and we'll look at some familiar verses, John 14, 1 through 7. Today is Mother's Day. It's also the ninth Sunday that we have not been able to physically gather as a church due to the current pandemic. And it's in light of those two realities that I want us to pause our series in the Sermon on the Mount and consider these words from Jesus's upper room discourse in John 14. John 14, verses 1 through 7. And let's begin by reading that passage together. John 14, beginning in verse 1, Jesus says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. When Jesus spoke about hell, he spoke about a garbage dump near the city that continually burned with unquenchable fire. When he spoke about heaven, he spoke about a large house with many rooms, each prepared for God's children. He talked about a home, a home with, with room enough for all the scattered family of God to gather and to feast and to fellowship. He spoke most simply of a place where the Father is. It was just before he was to be crucified that he shared these words that we've just read with the disciples. And in them, he shared this image of heaven as a home. He was leaving them with a message of comfort, a, a, an image of, of hope. He would soon return to the Father, not through his death, as they may have expected, because he would rise again three days later, but, but through his ascension. After 40 days of post-resurrection instruction about the kingdom, he went back to the Father who had sent him to seek and to save all of God's lost sheep. The King of Heaven would return to prepare rooms for the bride that he will one day return to take to himself to the home that he has prepared. The amazing thing about this home is that though we've never been there, our hearts are filled with a longing for the Father's house. For this place of, of warmth and welcome, a place where the Father and the Son and the Spirit spring wide the door and spread long the feasting table. There are, there are echoes of Eden that have been passed through every generation since Adam and Eve, and the, the hope of a place of peace and rest where the Father walks with us in the cool of the day is a part of what it means to be created in the image of God. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. The, the hope of Eden and this eternity that's in our hearts is expressed in, in many different ways in our lives, but one of the most poignant is in a homesickness, a longing for home here on earth and a longing for our Father's house. Frederick Buechner opens his sermon titled, The Longing for Home, 
with these words. What the word home brings to mind before anything else, I believe, is a place. And in its fullest sense, not just the place where you happen to be living at the time, but a very special place with very special attributes that make it clearly distinguishable from all other places. The word home summons up a place, more specifically a house within that place, which you, which you have rich and complex feelings about. A place where you feel or did feel once uniquely at home which is to say a place where you feel you belong and then in some sense belongs to you. A place where you feel that all is somehow ultimately well, even if things aren't going all that well at any given moment. To think about home eventually leads you back, leads you to think back to your childhood home, the place where your life started, the place that off and on throughout your life you keep going back to, if only in dreams and memories, and that is apt to determine the kind of place, perhaps a place inside yourself, that you spend the rest of your life searching for, even if you are not aware that you are searching. I suspect that those who as children never had such a place in actuality had instead some kind of dream of such a home, which for them played an equally crucial part. What place comes to mind when you think of home? I can remember the home that I lived in through fourth grade. It had a crabapple tree, out front that was perfect for climbing. It had a, a shared blacktop driveway that ended at this simple garage that sort of slunk to one side as if it was tired for having to stand up upright for as long as it had. I can see the, the chip tiles of the basement shower and I can see the dark corners of what I think was an old coal room. The small green table that our family gathered around in the kitchen in that house had been my great-grandmother's and now it's in my basement. It's no longer green, it's a, a robin egg blue. I remember the dining room with a, a bay window that looked out onto our backyard and the den where my sister and I spilled a, a half gallon of milk while watching Saturday morning cartoons. I can remember the the large family room where we would gather for family birthday parties. I remember too the the one winter during the Olympics where we pulled up the carpet and my sister and I pretended to ice skate there to be Olympic ice skaters in that room on the exposed wood floor. Up the stairs and to the right was my tiny room where I had all the planets of the solar system taped onto the wall and the, the window that faced the, the street held the soft glow of an electric candle during the Christmas season. I think that the, the light of that candle in that window on Christmas Eve maybe sums up best my feelings for that home. It was a, a place of warmth. It was a place of joy. It was a place of, of childhood wonder. We, we moved from that house in part because we were slowly outgrowing it, along with uh, other reasons that meant something to my parents but meant little to a 10-year-old. That nothing feels more like betrayal in the mind of a 10-year-old than forsaking the house that, that helped you to grow up. And, and little can fill each of us with the longing for some past familiarity and longing for warmth and peace in the present than, than memories of that place that felt most to us like home. It was a while before I started thinking about heaven as a home like that house on Donner Avenue. It's still not where my mind naturally grows, goes. Uh, 
Um, I grew up with visions of a, a white and yellow heaven, as it were, that was made up of individual mansions along a bright golden brick road. And the idea of the father's home from John 14 evoked images in my mind of a, a stone palace of, of sorts. Maybe you have a, a similar stony, washed out view of the future hope. But could it be that the words of Jesus in John 14 and of other places in the scriptures are meant to remind us more of home than of anything else? to fill us with the memories and the, the dreams of our favorite houses and homes, memories we have held on to all of our lives and, and memories that we seek even to try and recreate in our own homes. Of course, home is not simply the walls that surround us. It begins there, but not every house is a home. What is it that we are longing for? What, what is our, our homesickness seeking? What, what is a home? Well, home is a place of rest. It's a place of rest. Home is a place where we find ourselves shielded from all that wearies us in the world. It's where we literally rest each night in our beds, but it's also the place where we are most free from the toil and the rat race of the world. The work that we do at home is not free from the curse of the fall, but, but home is often a place where the work that we do brings joy whether in the, the preparation of a meal, the, the beautifying of our yard, or the pleasure of a hobby. It, it's the place where we find rest, not simply sitting on a couch, though it's great to take a nap on a couch in your home, but, but it's also the place too where we find the rest of, of reading and, and creating, the rest of music and games, the rest of laughter and yearly traditions. Our heavenly home is said to be a place of supreme rest, a place where all the things that weary us will be gone. When the dwelling place of God is with us in the end, we're told in Revelation 21.4 that the Father will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither there shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. This is the fullness of of the Sabbath rest that we found in Jesus and that we're still awaiting a rest from all toil, a rest that is never interrupted by tears or mourning or pain or death, never interrupted by separation or sickness, a rest from all the former things that are currently our present reality. Home is a place of rest and home is a place where we are fully known and loved. Home is a place where we're fully known and fully loved. What are the houses that you can walk into without knocking on the front door? The, the places where you are known enough and belong to enough that unless the door is locked, you walk right in when you arrive because you are known and you are loved in that place. You don't need to hide anything once you're inside because there's nothing to hide. You, you couldn't hide even if you wanted to. And in the midst of all that deep knowledge of who you are, you are also loved. I think of Jesus with his disciples on the night that he spoke these words. He, he knew everything that was going to happen. He knew everything in their hearts. He knew they would run from him and forsake him. He knew their fears and their doubts. He had seen them in their highs and in their lows. They were fully known by Jesus. 
and they were completely loved. I think that they were at home in that upper room with Jesus. Could we think of our eternal home as a place where Jesus knows and loves us in that way? A place not with a guarded gate, but with an open door for all those who are God's children through faith in Jesus. A place not where St. Peter sort of bars the way, but a place where all the saints are fully known and fully loved. A place that we see and we instantly know that we are welcome to just walk right in without any reservations. Jesus tells us that we, if we are his sheep, we will know his voice and we will come to him. He says in John 14, 23, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. And if the Father and the Son have made their home in us by the coming of the Spirit, then we can be sure that we are fully known and fully loved by God. And we will be welcomed into our eternal home with the words, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. We are blessed because we are known and we are redeemed. In 1 Corinthians 13, Paul speaks of love in its purest form. And he says in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. We often fear being fully known. We hide our faults and our flaws. We, we put on our best clothes and our best face before we walk out the door. But in our homes, we're fully known. We walk around in our pajamas and we sing at the top of our lungs. We dance in our living room in a way that we'd never dance in public. Because we know that in that place, in our homes, though not perfectly, at least more than anywhere else, we are fully known and we are fully loved. And that's because home is not just a place of, of rest and it's not just a place where we're fully known and fully loved, but home is a place filled with those we love and who love us. That's what home is. It's a, it's a place that's filled with those that we love and those that love us. The turning point in the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15 comes when the son, who had wasted his inheritance, decided that it was time to go home. And he didn't say, I'm going to return to 123 Main Street. He didn't say, I'm going to go back to the brick and mortar house that I grew up in. He said, I'm going to go back to my father. I'm going to go back to my father. The the father who fully knew and loved him and the father that he loved. Beekner says in that same sermon that I quoted earlier, he says, if the first thing the word home brings to mind is a place, then the next and perhaps most crucial thing is people and maybe, maybe ultimately a single person. Home is often a a person. Not long after my grandmother passed away, Andrew and I went and and visited her house, which had had just been sold. We went because I wanted to get some pictures of the place, though I wasn't able to to go inside, just able to get some shots of the outside. And I took those pictures and I I put them in a little book and I I gave that to my family. And at the end of this book, I I put a quote from Wendell Berry from his book, uh, Jaber Crow. Well, great novel. This is what it says. Jaber says, The things I was remembering were gone from everywhere except my mind. 
I would remember these rememberings after I went back to be the barber of Port William, for of course one of the first things I did after I had settled in was to go look again at both of my old homes. In my dreams of remembrance, I had failed to reckon not only with the certainty of change under any circumstances, but also with the new circumstances of automobiles and improved roads. Already the only surviving blacksmith shops were those in the towns. My father's shop, which had opened right onto the Katie's Branch Road, had been torn down when the road was widened, and our house had burned. There was nothing there even to recognize just a patch of weeds and three sprouts with the chimney sticking up in the middle. And so there would always be more to remember that could no longer be seen. This is one of the things I can tell you that I have learned. Our life here is in some way marginal to our own doings, and our doings are marginal to the greater forces that are always at work. Our history is always returning to a little patch of weeds and saplings with an old chimney sticking up by itself. And I can tell you a further thing that I have learned, and here I look ahead to the resting of my case. I love the house that belonged to the chimney, holding it bright in memory. And I love the saplings and the weeds. There's a love for place. A few of us, few can teach us more about the blessing of being present where we are than, than Wendell Berry. There's something about the, the land and the physical houses that have made up our lives that they get their roots deep down into us but as i as i look at this this book uh, i know that this house was just a house even if that day that we took the pictures i could have walked through the screen door and, and been in that place it it wouldn't have been home in the same way it had always been because my grandma wouldn't be sitting by the kitchen window looking down the yard past the barn into the green field of the park that connected to her yard. It wouldn't smell like mashed potatoes. General Hospital wouldn't be on the television. It, it wouldn't be the home I knew because home, fi it, it, home is, is home finally because of the people that are there. Which means that to lose a loved one is to lose a piece of home. Even if we could walk through the doors of a house that we've always loved, if the people who we love are not there, it's not a home in the same way that it once was. Few people make a house a home more than mothers. And so to lose a mom, as a number of people in our church have in this past year, not to mention the past 10 years, to, to lose a mom is to lose a large part of what home means to us. Moving through life after the loss of those that are dear to us, especially grandparents, parents, and siblings, is, is to live with a growing and almost inconsolable homesickness. For all the joy that home can bring, it can also leave a gaping hole in our hearts. Nostalgia is such a strange mixture of, of bitter and sweet flavors, of, of joy and sorrow, of, of happiness and pain. We've tasted something here on earth of the, of the warmth of home and, and the love of others. But not even these strongest of feelings can satisfy us completely. They ultimately point us to something greater. They reveal our homesickness. 
Augustine captures this in the first paragraph of his confessions. He writes, Great are you, O Lord, and exceedingly worthy of praise. Your power is immense and your wisdom beyond reckoning. And so we humans who are due part of your creation long to praise you. We who carry our mortality with us carry the evidence of our sin and with it the proof that you thwart the proud. Yet these humans, due part of your creation as they are, still do long to praise you. You arouse us so that praising you may bring us joy because you have made us and drawn us to yourself and our heart is disquiet. Our heart is restless until it rests in you. We taste that rest now in part in the gift of home and the people who love us in our homes that love us unconditionally. But we also know that heaven is the home all other homes point to. Heaven is the home that every home that we've ever had or ever will have points to. For some, your childhood home was a, a taste of the rest that we've been created to long for. But nobody's home is perfect. And as great as it may have been, your childhood home may be gone. The people who made it a home may be gone as well. For others, your home was far from perfect. Your definition of home may be the opposite of what you experienced. And even in that, that longing, we're pointed to our heavenly home and the love of our heavenly Father. We might even think about our present homes and the ways we seek to create a place of rest, a place where we're fully known and loved, a place filled with those that we love and who love us. It's a good thing to make a house a home to fill a home with warmth through the, the cooking of, of meals and the decorating of walls and rooms, creating a yard that brings peace. Even as we have been called in this moment in history to stay in our homes more than ever, we found that they are, in the words of Beekner, a place where you feel that all is somehow ultimately well, even if things aren't going well, going all that well at any given moment. Our homes and the love of a spouse and the love amongst children and the beauty of, of, of bringing and, the, and the, the wonder of bringing beauty to, to bare walls and to empty tables. All of these things point us towards our heavenly home. But our present homes aren't perfect any more than our childhood homes were. Even in our homes, we feel homesick. Dishes pile up. Dust and junk accumulate. We fight with those that we love the most. Children grow up and they leave and make homes of their own. There's always a bit of emptiness, even in the fullest of houses. Maybe you long for a spouse or for children, but God's not seen fit to give you those gifts. Maybe you long for continual peace, but you never seem to grasp it. In the good and the bad of our present homes, we find there this longing for our true home. Well, we think about our childhood homes and our present homes. What about our church homes? Our church homes. Some of us have, have memories of the places that we grew up and the, the places where the churches where we grew in our faith, of Sunday school classrooms and maybe ice cream socials and other events. And we can think of our, our present church home too, our, our church family that we long to gather with in these days of, of social distancing. We miss handshakes and hugs. We miss the sound of songs sung together. We miss potlucks and birthday celebrations. What good, beautiful things that these are. But even when, Lord willing, 
we have all of these things once more, we know that our church homes are missing something. We long for, for deeper fellowship than we can find. We, we miss those who have moved to places far away or who have moved and passed on to the next life. The good of God's gathered people and the ways we are, are, are lacking even now remind us that there's a greater gathering. There's a, a fuller fellowship. There's a never-ending potluck that we have been made for and that we are restless until we find it. I think we see this longing too, even in our the gift of our wider communities and our, our neighborhoods. We've seen so much good in these days as, as people make sacrifices out of love for neighbor. And many are looking for good news. And there is common grace to be found in this world. We see it all around us. But there's also skepticism. There's selfishness in our communities. There's poverty and joblessness. There's division and there's, there's rage. There's, there's racism. There's racism so vicious that it guns people down in the streets. There's injustice that's anything but blind. There's a depression so deep that it makes people take their own lives. What a bittersweet world this is. We feel it in, in all the homes that we've ever known. We feel it now in the present world in which we live. The gifts of home and of rest and of love are breathtaking. And the pain and the loss and the longing and the heartache that we feel also sometimes takes our breath away. The bitter and sweet are there. And the bitter and sweet tell us that, that heaven is the home that all the other homes that we've ever known are pointing to. But as we said, if, if home ultimately finds its expression in a person, then we can also know that all the love we know points us to the love of the Father. All the love we know now or have ever known points us to the love of the Father. What makes heaven a home has little to do with what's there, and it has everything to do with who is there. Our hearts are restless, not ultimately for a place, but for a person. And we will only feel truly at home when we're with the Father, when we're with Jesus. We've all experienced that feeling as a child of being somewhere and, and simply wanting to go home. Nothing can make things right in the strangeness of the place that we find ourselves. We, we just need to go home. We just need to be with those who love us in the place that we know well. And so we call our mom and dad and we say, I want to come home. And they come and they take us home. Jesus says he's preparing a place for us. And he also says that he will come and get us and take us home one day. He will come to get us so that where he is is where we will be always. And then we'll be home because wherever Jesus is, is home. We know the way to get to this home because Jesus reveals it here. He says that he is the way and the truth and the life, that no one comes to the Father, no one gets home except through him, except through repentance and faith. We know this because Jesus has told us that he is the way. But I wonder maybe if we also know 
that Jesus is the way because we all know the longing for home. And when by the grace of God we see Jesus for who he is, we know that he alone is the cure for the homesickness of our hearts. And Jesus becomes as familiar and comforting to us as those homes that we can close our eyes and walk through. He becomes as dear to us as those that we have loved the most in this world. We see in him the satisfaction of all of our longings. This world is filled with beauty and love that make our hearts exalt and ache at the exact same time. And such is the space that we live in until the day we finally go home to the Father. We long for that day. As, as Paul says in Philippians 1.23, it is far better to depart and be with Christ. But then he says in the next breath, it's also good to be here, to be an encouragement to others and to, to love those that are here. To be a foreshadowing, as it were, of the home and of the love that we will fully know one day. What a complicated world we live in. What complicated, conflicting emotions we have. Only God can fulfill them. Only heaven is our true home. Only all the loves that we have point us back to the love of the Father. Bill Mills, the the founder of Leadership Resources International, which is a ministry that's close to our, our church's heart. Bill passed away this past Friday. It was found that his cancer had returned, and after going to the hospital about two weeks later, he passed away. Bill was a humble man that served as a leader in that ministry for over 50 years. He was a husband and a father. He was a mentor and a teacher and a friend to many. And now he is home. Listen to what he wrote in one of his books. Home is always the place where we are most comfortable. Everything there belongs to us. It's all in the right place. Even on our most wonderful travel holidays with all the joys along the way, the place where our, ho our hearts most long to be is home. Our Father is preparing a home for us in heaven. Our hearts will be finally settled in that place. Everything will be just right. And the Lord we have loved will be there with us. Would you pray with me? Father, our hearts are restless until they rest in you. You've put eternity in our hearts, God. You've put a, a homesickness in us that only you can satisfy. Father, we thank you for all the good gifts in this world. We thank you most particularly for the blessing of, of family and of home. On this Mother's Day, Lord, we thank you for the gift of the mothers of our church, for the mothers that we all have had and known. Lord, we thank you for the gift of houses and homes that we have. We thank you for the gift of children. But all these good things that we have, but ultimately, Lord, we, they will not satisfy us. They're meant to remind us of you. And so, Lord, remind us of you. Remind us of our eternal home. Remind us that, that you alone can satisfy the deepest longing of our hearts. Lord, fill us with, with hope. Fill us with joy. Lord, help us to reflect the heavenly home that we're headed towards now. But also, Lord, to to not be comfortable in this place, to be always looking, 
always hoping for that place that will fully satisfy us on the last day. Thank you for the hope we have through Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. And we pray all this in his name. Amen.